good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. Today is Friday, the 11th of March, 2022, and we will start off with the nationwide daily COVID report. The country registered 74 more COVID-19 fatalities, a record high in the latest wave, and 22,984 new cases during the previous 24 hours, the Public Health Ministry announced on Thursday morning. This compared with 69 COVID-related fatalities and 22,073 new cases reported Wednesday morning. The figure announced on Thursday comprised of 22,937 locally transmitted infections and only 47 found in arrivals from other countries. Now, as we said, 22,984 confirmed new cases and 49,494 probable cases found via ATK testing. There were 74 deaths, as we mentioned. There are currently 58,254 people in hospital, 1,238 people in ICU, and an increase to 420 on ventilators. Now, Chambury Public Health Office reported 978 confirmed cases and 2,924 probable cases and three deaths. Most confirmed cases were in Chambury, Siracha, and Banglamung area. There are now 31,696 patients in care there. And Phuket Public Health Office reported 548 confirmed cases and 837 probable cases that were found via ATK on the island. Out of the confirmed cases, 523 are local and 25 are from abroad, and there were three deaths. There are now 6,118 people currently in care on the island. Now, as we have spoken about the last few days, the Thai government have been talking about making are declaring COVID endemic in the next few months. And they've actually released a roadmap for that and culminating on the status of endemic being declared roughly around July 1st. Thailand's National Communicable Disease Committee approved today the Public Health Ministry's plan to classify COVID-19 as an endemic disease in four months, starting on July 1st, if things go according to plans. Now, the Public Health Minister, Anotan Sharavakul, said today that the plan is based on the principle that the good health of the people and the national economy must go together, which is the policy being adopted in several countries. Now, to achieve this goal, he said, relevant agencies must put in place several measures to be implemented during the four months, such as vaccination management, medical services for the infected, COVID-19 monitoring and screening measures, preventative and containment of the disease, travel restrictions and legal and social measures. Despite all these measures, life should be as normal as possible while the economy is recovering, said the public health minister, adding, however, that even if COVID becomes an endemic disease, the population may still be required to wear face masks, avoid group gatherings, wash their hands often, undergo rapid antigen testings and get vaccinated to reduce the risk of severe disease. Now, according to the Public Health Permanent Secretary, the four-month plan to make COVID-19 an endemic disease will be divided into four stages. The first, from March 12th to April, will focus on efforts to suppress infections to reduce severe cases. The second stage, through April and May, is called the plateau stage, during which the infection rate is stabilized until it starts to decline. 
the third stage through May and June, which is called the declining stage, is when daily infections drop to about 1 to 2,000 cases. The final stage expected from July 1st, which is called the post-pandemic stage, is when COVID-19 will become an endemic disease. To be able to be classified as an endemic disease, the death ratio must not exceed 1 in 1,000 people infected or 0.1%. The current death rate is from 0.19% to 0.2%. Anatan said that there are still almost 2 million elderly people who are yet to receive their first dose of vaccine and who remain vulnerable to infection during Songkran Festival when they will be visited by their younger relatives. He said that public health volunteers have been instructed to approach elderly people in rural areas and to try convince them to get vaccinated. Now next up, the oil fund borrowing limit is to rise. The National Energy Policy Committee has resolved to lift borrowing limits of the state oil fund to allow for management flexibility and approved guidance to address surging fuel prices. Chaired by Prime Minister Prayachana Cha, the NEPC met on Wednesday to review plans to tackle soaring energy prices and decided to remove the borrowing limits set at 40 billion baht, said Energy Permanent Secretary Kulit Sombatsiri. The measure, which will be submitted to the Cabinet next week, would also require legal amendments, he said. Currently, the law governing the oil fund does not allow its management to seek loans worth more than 40 billion baht. Even though the borrowing limits would be lifted, the government would try to cap borrowing at no more than 40 billion baht as it would affect public debt ratios, he said, adding that it would depend on the situation at hand. Mr. Kulit said the NEPC also approved guidance to tackle soaring global oil prices which would be addressed tomorrow by the Deputy Prime Minister and the Energy Minister. These guidelines were designed for three scenarios of oil price hikes, when prices range between $100 to $130 a barrel, when prices rise from $131 to $150 a barrel, and when prices exceed $150 a barrel. The government's policy to use the oil fund to maintain retail prices of diesel at 30 baht per litre is based on global oil prices of $100 per barrel, he said, adding prices have now risen to $120 a barrel. Speaking after the NEPC meeting, General Pryor said the government would do its best to maintain lower fuel prices and was reviewing measures to alleviate impacts on the public as much as possible. He said the meeting explored several scenarios including how long the government could subsidize diesel and keep the retail price at no more than 30 baht per litre and what it could do if the price kept going up. He said the government would peg the retail prices of diesel as long as it can, but said it had to take into consideration the possibility of global prices soaring to $130 to $180 a barrel. He said the government was examining several measures including taxes and financing to help the oil fund, which is limited. When asked if the government would maintain the retail price of benzene, the Prime Minister said the government would need to come up with measures to address the hardship of specific groups. We'll consider what is appropriate and the diesel situation is bad enough. We'll have to find something to help each specific group, he said. General Pryor said he also called a meeting with the National Committee on Minerals to discuss how to reduce imports of expensive fertilizers or raw materials for fertilizer production. The Commerce Minister may consider allowing operators to raise the prices of fertilizer and animal feed as production costs increase. The Commerce Permanent Secretary said officials have discussed the impact of the Ukraine-Russia crisis on the prices of chemical fertilizers and raw materials for animal feed, especially wheat, which must be imported. 
He said prices have sharply increased and the ministry is reviewing measures to relieve the impact on operators such as lowering production costs. With Russia being a major producer of chemical fertilizers and Ukraine a major exporter of wheat, prices of these two products have soared since the conflict broke out. If production costs rise significantly, we'll have to prevent shortages, but we'll have to make sure it won't adversely affect consumers, he said. And next up, a quick story and update on Songkran. Uh, it looks like the Songkran celebrations will go ahead next month after a two-year hiatus due to the COVID pandemic, the government has said. Prime Minister Prayachana Cha has given assurances that all related activities and interprovincial travel will be allowed during the Songkran festival from April 13th to 15th. But during these celebrations, the public must comply with VUCA, that's Vaccine Universal Prevention, COVID-free setting and ATK testing measures. Pride has strongly suggested everyone planning to enjoy the water throwing festival at least get a third vaccine dose and undergo an ATK test both before and after their travels. Pride also urged vulnerable groups, those aged 60 and above, people with underlying illnesses and pregnant women to be fully vaccinated ahead of the festival. So there is also a very big meeting today of the CCSA and they will be discussing this further and if we have any more news in relation to it we will bring it to you over the weekend on either the Saturday or Sunday show depending which day we put one out. Now I do know and I have read an awful lot of people are kind of hoping Songkran gets somewhat cancelled because not everybody is a very big fan. Now a lot of people do enjoy the more traditional Songkran festival which which is kind of the part that happens away from the tourist areas. Of course, we don't have that many tourists here in the country, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of Songkran festival happens this year. Though I wonder about you guys out there, uh, do you enjoy Songkran uh, or do you not? If you don't, what is the reason behind that? I'd love to know your comments and your opinion as always down below in the comments section. And moving along, the Royal Thai Air Force has insisted on the necessity of purchasing new fighter jets to replace the existing aircraft scheduled for decommissioning. AVM Prapas Somchadi, spokesman for the Royal Thai Air Force, on Wednesday said it is the duty of the Air Force and its commanders to ensure full preparedness for the sake of national security. The Air Force is also required to follow the Defence Ministry's Operation Plan on National Security and Defence, which says the Air Force must maintain sufficient ability in line with potential threats, AVM Prapas said. Acquiring new technology is part of the Air Force's bid to heighten capacity, he said. The decommissioning of fighter jets began last year and is scheduled to finish in 2031. By 2032, the Air Force will have less than half the number of jets it once had, which will not be sufficient to maintain air defense operations. The Air Force plan to procure fifth-generation fighters, described as having five core features, stealth along with super cruise, sensor, fusion and super maneuverability, in addition with synergistic integrated avionics, he said. Apart from strengthening the nation's air defence capacity, these modern fighter jets are also needed for the Air Force's security cooperation with other countries in the region, he said. Meanwhile, an Air Force panel is still investigating the crash of an F-16A ADF fighter jet, which went down on Tuesday in Chayapun's Chaturats district, he said. The jet's flight data recorder has been retrieved, but is badly damaged, he said. The Air Force will now have to seek help from the US with data extraction as the probe continues. The panel is expected to wrap up its investigation in one week. AVM Prapas said the pilot who survived the crash remains in hospital for treatment. 
And moving along, the US denies building fortress consulate in Chiang Mai. United States charged affairs on Thursday denied speculation the new US consulate building in Chiang Mai is a veritable fortress targeting China. Michael Heat, speaking to reporters at his Bangkok residence, said that the new multi-billion baht consulate in Chiang Mai would not be a base for operatives or missile targeting China or Myanmar as rumors suggested. Work on the $280 million consulate, which covers 16.5 rai along the Chiang Mai Lampang Superhighway in Muang District, began in 2020. It is scheduled for completion next year and is designed to serve Washington's needs for at least 70 years. Mr. Heath said the new consulate would, however, be bomb-proofed and could provide protection for the roughly 17,000 Americans in the north. The $280 million construction budget was not huge for a U.S. embassy or consulate, but it did need to be able to endure bombings, so the walls, doors, and windows must be thick and made from good materials, he said. Its basement would be deep and ensure a strong foundation and also house a wastewater treatment system. It would not include a parking area, he said. It will not be a secret base or a base for any missiles. The U.S. consulate in Chiang Mai will not be a threat to China or Myanmar, Mr. Heath said. He said the existing consulate in Muang District would become a library, press center and language school. The charge affair also denied rumors that the U.S. had sent retired Special Warfare Officer David Eubank to train Karen rebels to fight against Myanmar troops. Mr. Eubank came as a missionary and did not represent the Central Intelligence Agency. He had a family in Chiang Mai. Although he founded the Free Burma Rangers Group, he did not offer weapons, only humanitarian assistance to Karan, Mr. Heath said. He also denied reports that the US was trying to force the Thai Air Force to buy F-37 combat aircraft and that the delay in the appointment of a new ambassador had any political significance for the Thai government. And with all the current issues around the world in relation to the Russian-Ukraine conflict, Thai sell off gold for cash as prices reach new high. People in Thailand's capital queued up this morning at gold shops around the Yawarat Road, widely known as Bangkok's Chinatown, to sell their gold for cash because gold prices continue to reach new highs as the Russian-Ukraine conflict affects global oil prices and gold prices. At 12.56pm, the buying price of gold bullion increased to 31,850 baht and was selling at 31,950 baht, according to the Gold Trackers Association. The gold adornment buying price increased to 31,275,000 baht and the selling price reached 32,450 baht. The Gold Traders Association predicted that gold prices would increase to 32 to 33,000 baht if the Russian-Ukraine conflict continues. Many gold market experts believe that prices will remain volatile and may drop once the conflict is resolved. Last week, the average gold bullion price between February 28th and March 5th, as announced by the association, were 29,350 to 30,250,000 baht. The gold prices were slightly lower the week before. And finally, the Phuket News Daily Report. Call center opens for stranded Ukrainian-Russian tourists. Phuket opened a call center to help tourists from Ukraine and Russia unable to return home because of flight cancellations and economic sanction imposed over the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Phuket officials deny Russian credit cards refused. The Phuket office of the Public Relations Department has reported that the claims of Russians having their credit cards refused for making payments in Phuket or Krabi is fake news. 
The Thai Navy escorts tanker back to Phuket after crew spent 13 months at sea. An LPG tanker was brought back to Phuket under escort by a Royal Thai Navy patrol ship last night after five crew on board requested help. One of the five crewmen said he had not been ashore for 13 months. And finally, taxi driver finds wallet, returns 10,000 baht cash. A taxi driver operating at Rasada Pier has returned a wallet containing 10,000 baht cash to its rightful owner. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.